Hello, my love. It has been such a long while since I have been here with you on the podcast. I'm thrilled to be back and I'm so excited to introduce today's episode. But first, I wanted to offer a reminder that I'm here for you as a resource on your healing journey. It's my purpose work to show up as a healing mentor for empaths and highly sensitive people, empowering you to step out of survival mode and get into thrive mode as a sensitive. So if you're in a place in your life where your sensitivity and the things that make you different or unique or feel like a black sheep feels more like a burden than a superpower like it can be, please book a discovery call with me. It would be my absolute joy to hold some space for you, to empower you, and offer some more clarity around what the right next aligned step is for you in the season of life that you find yourself. Whether that's working with me or or something else, um, I would love to serve you in this way. So I'll link that um, discovery call booking in today's show notes. But without further ado, I would love to introduce today's episode with the guest, Chris Sirak. He is absolutely one of my most favorite humans at this point. I loved his book. I loved interviewing him, Um, you know, re-listening to the interview before publishing today. I could actually feel my energy and my density shifting into a higher frequency um, just listening to and, and showing up in um, the energy of Chris and, and our conversation. So um, I wish you just my warmest blessings as you dive into today's show, experiencing, experiencing, and becoming you. Enjoy. Welcome, my loves, to the Sensitive Collective Podcast. I am your host and healing mentor, Laura Ann, and today it is my Great privilege to introduce you to our guest, Chris Sirock, author of BU, speaker, coach, facilitator, um, and just beautiful human. Welcome to the Sensitive Collective Podcast, Chris. I'm so excited to have you on. Oh, thank you, Laura. And I'm just as excited. And yes, ultimately, that's all we are is beautiful humans, which is all we need to be. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that's so Uh, in keeping with everything you go through in your book. And I have to just say, you know, I, I, it's not my first rodeo, as we say in Texas, which is where I'm from originally. And I've, I've been on this self-development healing path and in that world for a really long time. And I've read a lot of self-help books, I guess, is the moral of that story. And your book, it was just such a breath of fresh air and I have so enjoyed connecting with it. And um, and you have such a gift for taking some ideas and concepts that have the potential to be really dense and complex and complicated and boiling down and reducing them down to just their purest essence in a way that feels really relatable and understandable <laughs> and um, and uh, something tangible that we can really, really integrate um, into our lives. And so that I, I wanna celebrate that because I feel like that's a rare gift that you have. Oh, thank you, thank you. That's so kind. And really all of our you know gifts and our calling comes out of our own experience. And so I think I wrote what I wish I had had <laughs> when I was first starting to uh, really embrace my path and, and, uh, and come out of my previous mold. And, and, and that was to, uh, you know, write something that didn't have uh, language or vocabulary that got in the way of the wisdom. And, um, and, and that was pre- my previous career was a user experience researcher and designer as well. So it was always about, you know, finding the, the path of least resistance. So the book is written in a way where there's, as little as possible that could possibly offend you or trigger you, which would then just get in the way of absorbing the, the, the wisdom that's been around for thousands of years, right? This has been since the dawn of time. And, and, uh, and that also made it very accessible. So there's uh, very short chapters. And as you know, so yeah, that was a, that was a result of my kind of my own background. That's so cool. And accessible is the word I was grasping for the word, but that's exactly it. Um, I feel like this is going to become one of those books that is 
a really foundational recommended reading for all of my clients. Um, so just well done. And, and I'm curious, oh. you, you mentioned a little bit your own sort of metamorphosis and your own journey. And uh, I know a little bit about it, but if you could share, you know, how, how did you become more you? How are you the you that is, that is here with us today and um, that was inspired to write this book? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, what happened is that life happened and there were lots of little things and I didn't really have a crash and burn kind of hit rock bottom story, but it was a lot of little and often very difficult experiences and in all the areas of life that we all kind of attach ourselves to and and then uh, relationships and career and uh, maybe one of the first indicators was that I, um, you know, ultimately I became a lifetime consultant for for startups, mentoring startups, but also, um, you know, corporate. And but early on, it's I wasn't able to to keep a job, um, and I was wondering what was wrong with me. So that's when you know I went through the process of realizing why well, I was going to have to create my own, carve my own path, which was very scary. And, and be a consultant and a freelancer and create my own businesses and so forth. And so it's it's things like that where we realize what we're doing, it doesn't feel right, it doesn't resonate, and no matter how hard we try, it's just not going to work out. So we have to learn to really embrace our true nature. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. They have their path, their journey. There's no right or wrong. It's just what's right for us. And uh, so trial and error and, and along the way and um, I just learned more and more about myself. And I think then there came a point uh, right before writing the book where I had worked on myself so much that it, it became bigger than me. There was, there was um, you know, as we work on ourselves and we heal ourselves, we come out of our the kind of self-absorption of what's what's wrong with me <laughs> and then and, and then we come out of that to turn outward and, and that's when we can become of service because we've worked through the stuff ourselves um so our challenges ultimately become our calling yes i love that it's so true the, your pain becomes your purpose and um you are always your own first client <laughs> it's like you, you figure it out for yourself yes. <laughs> and then you, you figure out how to how to like you said allow that to be how you are a service to the world and there are so many i love that you you kind of um the history major in me it's like you've uh, given credit to the source material by saying you know all of the all of the eons of uh truths that you know humanity has come to that you, you've brought together and synthesized into this book um, and so there's some threads that we see through everything, you know, some of those truths with a capital T, which, you know, maybe don't really exist, but <laughs> um, so I'm curious when, you know, we're looking through what some of the things, themes that really come up um, are like the roller coaster, you know, like you're talking about of life, you know, these circumstances that come up and there's, there are teachers and there's really throughout the the theme of life is happening for you life is not conspiring against you it's not trying to make it hard for you that all of the hardships that we encounter really are um we are manifesting them to be the teachers that we need to bring to light the the things that we still need to heal and um you speak a little bit as well to the roller coaster ride of an experience that that can be uh especially when we're stuck in our headspace which is how we're kind of programmed to operate in the modern world where all these sort of floating heads going around. And um, I'm curious, do you have any moments that really stand out for you with clarity of those aha moments that, oh, I'm in just my headspace and needing to move out of that? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. A great summary of, of a lot of what's going on, right? Life is a mirror and it's happening initially we think it's happening to us and then we kind of learn and, and become more self-aware and realize what's happening because of us um, because of how we're seeing it the person next to us could be witnessing the same situation but having a completely different experience and then shifting ultimately to it's happening for us so that we can you know when we feel triggered it's actually pointing to something that uh, needs healing needs attention usually self-love and self-care um, for me, I think it was, I was very much in my head all my life. That's my half of my Germanic side, um, where I was just thinking, you know, overthinking. 
and I would love to debate things to death and, and in a in a cordial manner, analytical manner. There was um, nothing acrimonial about it, but I would always feel depleted afterwards and just mm-hmm. not happy and, and not grounded. And I it started to dawn on me as like this this isn't right. There's what's what's going on here? I've I've analyzed something uh to the T. And that process is is making me feel miserable <laughs> and empty, and uh, so you know I started thinking about that some more, and um, and I did a lot of work around that. That was just my my wiring and my whatever genetic disposition to be that way. But I worked with um, energy healers and shamans and sound healing and all kinds of practitioners who were all like working on getting to redistribute the energy in my, I'd wake up in the morning and it'd be all in my head. And so uh, to learn to really uh, spread, become more balanced, um, that took some work. And that was one of my earliest challenges to, to not be so head heavy. And I think we all, you know, are conditioned that way to a certain extent. We, we grew up in the world that is designed to elicit a reaction from us and these reactions are you know mental reactions judgments and um and so you know it takes a little work a little practice mindfulness practice to to really come out of that and get back in touch with our bodies where our wisdom lies our inner blueprint our inner voice you know which is our gps all that good stuff yeah i want to circle back to that because that resonates so much with my own experience you know your your body as your gps but real quick, the the idea of conditioning, um, when you know, obviously you're on a, a podcast called the Sensitive Collective Podcast, and and the folks that are listening tend to be empaths or highly sensitive people, and um, for the sake of simplicity, I, I put them together. I just I label us as sensitives. Um, so as sensitives, we get so much conditioning. Uh, through and programming from a very, you know, through the world and our family systems and our religion and our culture, all of the places, so many layers of that, that what it is to be us is somehow deficient and wrong and um, uh, not desirable um, because we we live in, in a world and in a culture that so values um, the, the scene, the the evidentiary that more of the 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 masculine energy um and so i'm curious for you what was that that shift in conditioning um and and how did for how did that play out for you and even with the headspace piece as well in coming to terms because i know we we'd spoken before that you identify as a sensitive as well um you know how how has that manifested for you on your own journey of of healing and self-realization yeah, great question too. It makes me dig deep. Um, you know, I was always, uh, for, firstly, I think, um, um, you know, as empaths or HSPs, we're we're just having we're being asked to dig even deeper. So uh, taking on other people's energies and, and just whatever senses sensitivities that we have are are um, more heightened. So we're we're having to do the same work just even deeper, <laughs> go even deeper to really contain all of that power, which ultimately I think is the, the gift that we then bring into the world. Yeah. Um, I noticed this early on, um, even when I remember as early as 11 or 12, listening to friends talk, I was always looking for the energy behind their words, the, the motivation, What was where was this coming from? I never just took words at face value. And I thought everyone was like that. Um, <laughs> and, and that was, you know, that was a long journey to realize, no, this is not the, the normal state. Uh, people kind of, most people just uh, respond to their definition of what they're hearing. Um, so that was an early sign of uh, just, just being um, much more sensitive and, and uh, in tune and connected with somebody else's feelings, often better than they knew themselves. Um, and then, yeah, how to find your, your, you know, how to find, make space and hold space for that capacity in life. Um, you know, I just, um, over time, uh, I think I became more, um, more okay with just being me. (laughs) And because again, we learn most of our, uh, most of our journey consists of being off of our path. Yeah. And that points us to, you know, being where the path is going back on. And 
And then ultimately you realize that being off the path is the path. <laughs> and, and you're never really on it. You're always on it. You're never off it, I should say. You're always on it. Um, and just, um, you know, relaxing around that, I think. And, and of course, surrounding yourself with, uh, with people that, that are uh, compassionate and have their own uh, sensitivities. And, and then really falling in love, I think, with the diversity of, of the world and, and every person, you know, they, they could be the quote unquote most ordinary looking person. And you start uh, asking them to share their story and, um, and they start to unfold and there's always magic there. And so there are no ordinary people. Everything's extraordinary. You just kind of start to focus forward, focus on the unfolding of life and, and spend less time in the past and regret and who you, you know, who you think you are, stuff like that. I love it. You know, I, I have to say, I laughed out loud or you're talking about the different paths. And I also, I love to use that kind of metaphor and, you know, healing is a journey. It's not a destination. You are always healing. It's kind of like you were saying, you're never fully baked. Self-realization isn't an on-off switch. But one of the things that really got me was um, when you were talking about, where is it? The three roads. Uh, because immediately when I was reading that part of the book, um, I thought of the matrix and the spoon. It's like, you are the spoon. Yes. <laughs> and you're oh my gosh. to that now, you know, that there's, there isn't just one path. There's, you know, these different ways in which um, we're showing up to in relationship to ourselves and to the world and our triggers and all of these different things. And, you know, it's almost like you can simultaneously be on all of these different kinds of trajectories and these different kinds of terrains um, and landscapes at the same time within yourself. Um, and and that that's okay, right? It's like, cause again, you know, judging myself and, and criticizing myself for being like, oh, I feel like I've been here before, I've seen that tree, um, isn't gonna actually help because you know maybe i needed to see that tree again uh or maybe it's just a similar tree that that looks the same as the tree that was 20 miles 20 miles back but it needed to remind me of of something that that uh i needed to take a deeper look at um and that idea of consistently always to a purpose evolving for your highest good um and you know that can feel really challenging and that can feel like blissful flow uh and yeah so i just i love that i, I remember i made a note it's like you are the spoon <laughs> that's awesome because that that matrix is my favorite movie in fact i i after that i stopped going to the movies until recently every everything everywhere all like, at once that bother? actually yeah exactly that was that was it so yeah I, I broke that 20 20 something year hiatus uh just with the, the everything everywhere all at once movie which is also as my favorite movie um movie. highly recommended yeah <laughs> yes i've seen it i've seen um, it three times <laughs> yeah yeah i've seen it 13 times so just oh my to gosh show you how much you it got means. the record <laughs> yes um the um you know that and that's my favorite chapter too because it really sums up the um you know our our just life experience and there's so much diversity and change and and uh, discovery all the things that you said just in recognizing that this is the design of life and it really wants us to be whole and and there's um so much depth to us the you know, the, our inner world is so much bigger than the outer world. And then when we realize as we work on our inner world, the outer world starts to expand and is ultimately just a mirror again, a reflection. So um, we're the masters of our own kind of expansion and our own universe. And, and then the, ultimately the oneness of it all. So it's, it's an incredible time that, that we can have while we're here. And yes, there are challenges, but when we become the awareness of our thoughts and feelings of the situations, then we're we're the container. Our awareness becomes the container of those situations. So nothing is bigger that, than us ever. Nothing can trouble us enough to to you know to make it really really too difficult for us. So the more we sink into our awareness of our design and our our, our journey and our expansion, then uh, I think then it really becomes an uh, an incredible adventure. Yeah, the greatest adventure. 
Um, yeah. You know, one of the biggest challenges I think for folks is knowing how to tune in and step into the role of curious observer and really embody that space of, of self-awareness. Um, and you, you speak a lot to, in the book, the inner voice and um, that can feel so challenging how to, you know, you said, uh, if you, if you listen to your inner voice, you know, your inner voice is here to guide you as long as you listen, you can't go wrong. Um, but, oh crap, what if you don't know how to listen to your inner voice? What do you do? So I'm curious for you, what have you found for yourself and for your students and clients um, to be some of your tried and true and most favorite methods of how to tune into your inner voice? Yeah. So tuning into your inner voice is really tuning into your body. And tuning into your body means coming out of your head and that, that noisy head space. Um, so there's lots of things, you know, breath work is one of them that uh, is a universal tool. Everyone has it. There's no stigma or dogma attached to it. And you can use it in any situation. Um, I mean, first thing when, when you wake up and I pour myself a, a glass of water, um, I tune into the senses of seeing the water, the bubbles, the swirls, the color of it, the sounds it makes and all of that. And that pulls you into your body, into presence. Um, then when you're working with, you know, feelings, all feelings show up as sensations in your body, really focusing on where are you feeling it, locate it, uh, locate where that feeling shows up, examine it, look at its shape, its color, its size, can you look around it, can you move it with your attention, all of this puts you into a state of non-reactivity, non-judgment, you're engaging with it, you're even embracing with it and, and playing with it sometimes if you want to call it that and, yeah. and so you're you're really you know just just being these are all things that you're replacing judgment a judgmental relationship to how we think and feel with a curious you mentioned curiosity earlier uh curious stance and then an open-minded stance and 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 that attitude is is really just acceptance it brings you in closer it's the judging that that creates distance and, and a sense of separateness mm -hmm. uh, but when we when we engage with ourselves and our you know senses and how we experience things then it brings us closer into into our body and into that wisdom and that that vo subtle voice it is a subtle voice but it's, it becomes amplified and you start to uh, get closer to it that's that's why it gets louder because you're you're much closer to it now and and uh and then you naturally kind of leave the, the the noise of the head and the sense of urgency of time and the past and future and regrets and anxiety and projections into the future all of that noise you leave behind as you're just getting really really present with how you're feeling and 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 how you're thinking and and so that's that's the best way I, I work with people um, based on what their daily routines are. Uh, look at opportunities in the existing mm -hmm. routines, not to try to create something new because that's another to-do list item, but rather use the, the things that we do, the activities as opportunities to uh, sink in and deepen our presence with those um, activities. So they're all we're already doing them. We just have to do them more consciously, mm -hmm. and uh, with with a with a new tool set, we can we can create every situation can be a deepening experience. I love that. It's so true, and and just to normalize to the experience for folks that if this is a new practice for you, um, it's pretty likely that your inner critic is going to be there loudly for the first few several go-throughs and that's okay um it's you know just recognizing that that's the voice that's coming up for you and again just giving yourself permission to be curious and playful and it's like okay yeah, yeah i hear you but like i'm not here for that right now i'm gonna you know try to visualize the colors of my feelings and that may sound ridiculous to you and her critic but i'm gonna do it anyway <laughs> um you know and and i think that Again, it's like being in that headspace. It's that that attempt that we have as humans um, to just try to have control over everything, um, and that it's really a, a, a strangling experience. <laughs> it's a suffocating experience. And as we start to step into that curious, playful nature within ourselves um, and tap into our own creativity and our own power. 
um it feels really good and it's like a breath of fresh air and it's really fun um but you know it's not going to necessarily it may feel that way immediately for you but if it doesn't you know don't punish yourself or blame yourself for that it's you, you've got multiple decades under your belt doing things one way and, and being a floating head it might take a, a couple beats to to shift uh, into another into another way of being yeah. And like you say, we've lived a certain way for a long time, multiple decades before we possibly come across, you know, there, there must be a better way to, to live. And, and you hear a podcast like this. And um, the one thing that's important to note is that, um, you know, the, the greatest obstacle to really being in our bodies and with our sensations and, and being able to um, be present is this monkey mind that this reactive mind that we, you know, we've trained in conditioned for so many years and that's going to come in and that's that voice of uh, criticism and self-doubt and what am I doing here it just kind of breaks the the flow and the important thing is to recognize that we don't calm it down by wanting it to be different and that's ultimately the key to to all of presence is to to you, you'll calm your mind down by accepting that it's not calm and that is, you know, one of the the, the key, mo you know, turning points where you just being okay with what is, is actually what brings you out of the noise and brings you into uh, just this, this higher awareness place. Yeah. So uh, it does take a little bit, but, you know, I, I do retreats, seven day retreats, and usually halfway through people are fully present and experiencing the bliss of bringing a state of being into the doing and, uh, and and recognizing that you know it's a word meditation it's a word mindfulness but what it describes is ultimately a state of being our natural mm -hmm. state of feeling our feelings fully without reacting to them uh, allowing thoughts to arise and pass come and go that's the natural motion of life yeah and it doesn't take long comparatively to to find find that yeah i love that and i love the um i'm trying to i think it was I don't know if maybe it was untethered was the first place that I, I had exposure to that idea that you were not your thought and you were not your thoughts, you're not your feelings. And I was reading it on a plane. And I remember just like having that moment where I read that and it was the first time I'd ever seen that before. And I had a, just a, a self-awakening realization moment where the filter through which I viewed myself in the world completely shifted. And I was on a plane with a bunch of people. And I remember looking around me like, oh my gosh, I, I, I need to tell someone about this. Yeah. <laughs> this is so amazing. And something about that experience too of flying in the sky with that, it's always really resonated for me to think of it as, um, uh, as weather. And I know that that's a very common uh, metaphor out there, but I do something, I think it's similar to what you're talking about. It's the internal weather report of really acknowledging that, you know, my thoughts and my feelings are the weather, but I am the sky and I am the awareness that is holding those thoughts and can observe that there are, there are clouds in the sky, right? Um, or that it's raining and that that too will pass through, but the sky is is the container that is there. Um, and, and what you were speaking to as well is that idea of um, acceptance and just sort of radical acceptance and radical self-love. Um, and that that's sort of the, the medicine for the judgment piece and the criticism piece and the resistance that is really what is the only thing that's holding us back from being in that blissful state of flow. Yeah, that's right, resistance. And, you know, it. It's ultimately th this idea that if we just accept things as they are, we just see it as it is, it, it's not just allowing life to step all over you and being okay with it. No, that's not it at all. It's staying out of resistance to see mm -hmm. things very clearly so that you can then take what I call clear action, what is called right action, um, the, uh, the ability to then see the solution that is best suited and the path of least resistance through the situation appears on its own when we see things clearly for what they are. If we're bringing in reactivity from the past or, or we had a plan in mind and now we're comparing the plan of what should be happening to what is happening and then there's a rub in that 
and that's how we get everything gets complicated and life starts to overwhelm us but um yeah just uh it's it's all about being able to take clear action seeing things as they are is about um the path of least resistance yeah i remember the first time uh really learning about Taoism, being so frustrated because it's so opposite of of everything that you know i grew up in and had been taught about the way the world is structured and how the universe works um and you know very much you know linear time and there is a plan and there is right and wrong you know i was raised in a very um very strict uh religious faith and um of southern baptist and it was you know, very very clear <laughs> what the rules are um and and the first time i encountered that was in there is that sense of i i really i really wanted to get it but at first it did feel a bit like what you were saying before of how, oh, you know, so what, am I just supposed to be a doormat? Am I just supposed to like, no resistance? Does that mean I just lay down and take it? <laughs> it's like, but, but no, <laughs> it's very different from that. It's that, um, you know, the, and they use so much, uh, in, in Taoism, there's so many na nature metaphors uh, used in the idea of, you know, water being, soft enough to bathe a baby, but powerful enough to carve through stone. And, um, you know, the reeds that, that, that are the most rigid when, when there's a windstorm, those rigid weeds will, will break in half, whereas the ones that are more flexible will weather the storm and, you know, stick around for, for the sunshine. Um, and that, I feel like for me, it makes it easier to understand that the path of least resistance, it doesn't mean just, you know, letting people walk all over you. Um, but it is that practice of of not attaching and not being rigid in, in I know everything and clearly my understanding is the only understanding. It's sort of that that openness that allows for that clarity to to happen. Mm, yeah, that's a beautiful description, that openness to really being a facilitator of life and, and a, a participant and and you you not no longer fear the unknown but rather you know you look forward to what happens next and uh so all of that is i think uh, you know bit by bit that falls into place and um it uh, takes a little practice and, and but again life is teaching us these things all day long <laughs> so we don't have to go far that's another thing is is it's all there. It's all the little things um, every single day that are these lessons. Every time we feel triggered, someone cuts us off in traffic or uh, we, we spill a cup of coffee, whatever it may be, or at the cashier at the line or on the phone with the bank, all these things that irritate us are actually opportunities to where am I feeling this? Where is the, the judgment in this? Um, and uh, it's a self-reflection. And so we don't have to go out and, and you know seek out these extreme quote unquote solutions to our problems it's it's really happening all day long and um uh you know we're, this is how it's designed and ultimately all the all the busyness becomes secondary it, it's it's really learning more about ourselves is the primary purpose of all of that and once we embrace that then we don't you know cling to and attach ourselves and so much importance to all the stuff that we used to think was important mm -hmm. and uh and so we, we become bigger and we become as big as we allow ourselves to be yeah and there's that that element of um falling in love with yourself that you speak to in the book. And I think it's sort of threaded through what you're talking about right now. Uh, and you know, that, that, that to me, it's one of the pillars of, for my own journey and what I, what I work with my clients around too, it's that sort of two sides of radical self-love and radical responsibility. Um, and that each, you know, inform and temper one another, but, uh, and, and it's something that all humans, struggle with and all, all humans need support around is learning how to really love and accept ourselves. Um, and especially for sensitives, again, because of conditioning and programming, there there can be, you know, some really deep limiting beliefs um, and self-concepts around self-worth and that self-doubt and that really loud inner critic. And yes, maybe embodying a little bit of a doormat. Um, and so, it feels so beautiful 
to hear you speak in the book about and and so important and foundational to hear you speak in the book about um about the love piece the falling in love with yourself piece and um that really resonates with me yeah it's really you know at our core we don't do anything that we don't, you know, are passionate about. If 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 we're motivated to create something, and what's the the passion, the love for creation that goes into that particular project? And so, we as we peel back the layers of our conditioning, and we start to just see our our true self underneath all of that, our blueprint, then we recognize that love of creation that's gone into us and that's gone into everything that exists. So even that self-love ultimately becomes a love for life, for everything that exists, that everything is beautiful and miraculous by virtue of its existence. That alone is is worth celebrating. And and, and so as we become more anchored in that, um, we just can't help but fall in love with ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's the best really, it's, there's some really great memes out there on the internet about that too, (laughs) that I I really love, Um, you know, women kissing themselves in the mirrors and some really good memes about, um, you know, being, being the love that you are looking for. And, um, and recognizing, you know, I can see so much, and you speak to this in the book as well, so many the, the things that I can hyper fixate on in my outer reality um in terms of you know in relationship whether romantic or friendship or in a work dynamic or you know fill in the blank um if i turn that lens back towards myself i can see where those are those are things that i'm i'm really craving with my relationship with myself that i'm then projecting out as a need into the world Yes. Yeah. And that's one of the central themes of our existence of this experiment that we're in um, is really to recognize that the things that we seek on the outside are are the things that we lack on the inside. And, and that's that's our journey is, is those are the cornerstones. Um, and then to to come out of blaming or pointing uh, or trying to steer and control the external um, to keep covering up the the internal lack is uh you know it's tiresome and it 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 ultimately doesn't lead to anything it just drains us and we can't control the world the the nature of life is change Um, everyone has their own journey and and so slowly it starts to sink in that um well the only place of of true change is is within that that we have control over and that we can do something about and um yeah and so again looking at um our role in every situation every dynamic especially with other people it's our resistance to who they are that keeps the dynamic in place that's our part in it mm-hmm. so coming out of resistance um that then takes the tension or at least what we can do uh, out of the uh, that relationship and um and again we start to breathe space into our environment into our uh, experience of another person and also into the other person's experience so as we change ourselves we we change others as we heal ourselves we become healers for the rest of the world yes i i love that i say that all the time as you heal yourself you heal the world and um and it's so interesting in thinking about relationship dynamics of just again the root of it is that interrelationship and um how that can shift and change so much um and and for me i think that has that has felt like one of the biggest places of resistance on my own healing journey is um attachment to identities that i've had for myself um you know i'm five years sober and one of the biggest challenges in stepping into sobriety for me was the identity that I had really tied to being that fun loving party girl that, you know, was always up for, you know, whatever crazy adventure um, with with a flask at her hip and a, and a joint in her hand and you know whatever. Um, and that had I had internalized that behavior so much that it became a core part of who I was. And so when I stepped away from that, I had like this existential crisis, you know, who am I? What is what is life even without these things? And and I love you speak to identity in the book about that process. 
And I'm curious um, what your journey with, with the different identities has been because you, you speak to getting to a place of identity becoming no identity. Um, and, and for me, that's like, I feel like that's so far <laughs> from where I am now um, and what your experience with that has been. And um, if, if that feels like it's where you're operating from at this point. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is in, in my situation, um, it, I came from the opposite side. We, um, uh, my parents were immigrants and, um, and they stayed in touch with their, with their countries, uh, respective countries to the point where they were always looking to move back if once civil war subsided and, and these kind of things. So, um, and then in addition to that, um, my dad was in the army and we, uh, traveled around a lot. And so I, I had, I didn't have, I was longing for an identity. Everywhere I went, they said, well, you're from the last place I came from, but I wasn't from there either. I was mm -hmm. not, you know, I was just such a mutt. And um, so I was longing for an identity. That was one of the my core struggles is that I felt like there was nowhere in the world that I belonged. Um, and um, so then I, you know, I had to create kind of a, a, an identity for me as much as I could around career and just staying put in one place long enough to feel like I have roots and, and, and cultural knowing and, and, and close some of those gaps um, of, you know, um, yeah, I was outside of the States for all of the Seinfeld years, right? And then you come back and everyone's at, cracking jokes and maybe you just feel left out or <laughs> yeah. I can talk about, you know, everything under the hood of a car in German, but I don't know a single, you know, word engine and carburetor. That's about the, the limit of how I could speak in English to, to that topic. And so being feeling like I'm in all these different pieces um, and, and seeking a, a more cohesive identity was, was a big part of my journey. And so I kind of came at it from the other end. Um, but then, you know, once I had created that for me, then, then I was able to, to come out of that eventually. <laughs> it all takes time. Didn't, I didn't know it was happening either at the time. Um, but, um, and then, uh, yeah, so your ultimate identity is not to have one. I think there's still a limit to being in our bodies in this physical dimension that we just we have to be contained by something but um and you could even argue if we want to go really deep that awareness is some kind of uh some kind of construct there but um it's it's as open and as vast and as unlimited as we can be that i've found and that is the nature right it's an alignment with the, the rule of law, if you will, or, or, or how life um, seems to be designed to 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 want to work and and just being a participant in that, not questioning things, right? Those those the the voices of self doubt and, and and thinking we know better or what if the fear of the you know the unknown, which is our future, recognizing that all of that are you know seeing the symptoms like. Our mind is designed to know things. So when we live exclusively through that mental lens, then of course the future is going to be scary. <laughs> it wants to know things. It's always looking to fill the next unknown moment with something it knows, yeah. even if it's purely made up, right? And even if it turns out completely different, you never seem to learn that lesson of like, well, that didn't turn out as expected. <laughs> and then we create, create expectations again, and, and then it repeats over and over. So there must be a better way. I think the key is 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 realizing there's a, a better way, a different way to live, than to keep repeating this this cycle of setting expectations and and feeling let down. Yeah. <laughs> and there is a better way, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> thankfully, and you do such a beautiful job of highlighting that and and speaking to that in mm -hmm. such a huge part, as you said, is getting out of your head and into your body. Um, and that you know that's one of the pieces that I sometimes because I, I got started as a massage therapist, a body worker, a myofascial release therapist, an energy worker. Like that was my sort of gateway into um, the healing world uh, for, for my clients and for myself as well. Um, and so I'm all about the body and like integrating and, and you know, releasing, you know, the body keeps the score and releasing trauma and trapped emotions. And so when you're speaking to that in your book, I'm like, yes, 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 preach, brother, preach, because you know, it's it's so easy, I think, and I see so often the temptation 
to intellectualize that process also of like, you know, that you can, you can just do that only with your mind and your mind is a really valuable tool. Obviously that's, you know, it feels like that's where your awareness lives, but truthfully your awareness lives throughout yourself and it's allowing your mind to be a, an entry point and, and using that to embody the rest of yourself. And I think sometimes I struggle in like guided meditations and things like that with, are you familiar with Dr. Joe Dispenza? Yes, of course. Yeah, I love him. I love his yeah. work. And and I love, I think for me, I find, and I, I'm curious your take on this. Um, help me is basically what I'm asking is for your help on this. Because in his meditations, one of the things that always triggers me, which is clearly a sign that there's something there, is I almost feel like he's devaluing the body and the emotional energy that we're experiencing in our body in favor of like our ability to to visualize and consciously control reality with our mind. Um, mm. And I know that that's a tool and that's an entry point, but whenever I hear it's like, you know, the, it, it feels like there's a value judgment there of, of the, the mind over the body. And I just like, I almost have like, a, a gag reflex whenever that comes up in his meditations because it's so opposite to what I have felt to be true for myself on my own journey. Hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, um, different meditations work for different people. We're all wired differently. We're all at different stations in life. And <gasps> what you're describing there is, um, you know, his stuff is so uh, popular and so effective because, you know, most, if not everyone does approach the, the journey of self-realization through the mind, through wanting to know the facts and the science and, and really kind of just understanding it um, before it can sink in deeper. And so he does, you know, approach things from, from that angle. And I think then, in, you know, in some areas, um, as we advance on the path, you can kind of bypass that part of, of, of just, you know, having to rationalize something and, and having to see some kind of proof for it, right, to be able to accept it. And, and you just kind of sink into greater acceptance, more immediate acceptance. And in certain areas of you, you may just have that deeper truth of just an inner knowing that's there and you don't have to take that particular path. Um, and so that's how I would interpret that. And, and, uh, and again, if, um, it's all about finding the teachers that resonate at, at a particular time, sometimes we come back to old ones that we, you know, yeah. once were fans of, and then it, um, so it's, it's all good. And it's just, as long as we stay in the seeker mindset and, and notice what works and what doesn't. So if most of, of Joe's work uh, still resonates, then you just continue there. And in those moments, you just notice how, how it makes you feel. <laughs> and the noticing is, is awareness. That's staying yeah. on the side of awareness. And even if you feel unpleasant emotions and they're unpleasant, but they're not going to you know, do, do too much uh, damage because you're aware of them. And uh, if they're pleasant feelings, the same thing applies. Often when we work through the, the the muddy stuff inside of us, then we get to the challenge of having to also allow pleasant feelings to arise and pass and just observing them and, and letting life come and go. So there's a, there's a lot to work on, but it's, uh, it's all fun. <laughs> Thank you for the perspective. You know, I think I was just asking for permission to feel how I felt about it. That's <laughs> so, so often the case when we're working with someone um you know that that someone's looking to to get permission for something that really we can just give ourselves permission to do but we haven't really been taught how to do that for ourselves um and yeah, that is yeah. also a, a work in progress always in a practice um yeah but that's what it is it's you're feeling it's so it's real there yeah. there, there are no fake feelings or, or wrong feelings you're feeling it and that's what makes it real that's what makes it you and that's your the truth of your experience so that should never be denied it should never be oppressed uh you know mindfulness meditation is never about pushing you know away feelings or thoughts it's it's about allowing them so that they can uh come come and go and, and not get stuck through our judgment of them through our reactivity of them and and then we start to enter the bigger flow the greater current as i call it i loved uh when you were talking about somewhere somewhere in there you're talking about mindfulness practice and, and meditation and and the idea of allowing the thoughts to to come and and go 
Um, and, you know, it's such a common thing in meditation, especially as beginners, um, where when the thoughts come, there's like a, oh, dang it, kind of a knee jerk reactivity that happens. And um, you said something like, you know, rather than judging the thought, celebrate your awareness of the thought and then let it go. Um, and that just really, I feel like that's such a beautiful way of saying it because it's not even just acknowledging that the thought is there and letting it go. It's like, oh, wow, I'm aware that the thought is there and that's great. <laughs> like, let me pat myself on the back. Good job. Okay, cool. Now let it go. Um, and, and I think that that just vibrationally, it feels really nice um, because it's not even just saying, oh, yeah, okay, okay well, it's there and I'll let it go. But good job. Like, you, you are yeah. aware that it's there and now we get to let it go. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, when we attach ourselves to thoughts and, and, and feelings, if we believe them too much, if we if we get lost in them, if we identify in them, that's a, a certain weight, positive or negative makes no difference. Ultimately, that we're giving our life source, our energy, our attention to something. And that creates a certain attachment, a certain weight. And if we, we're no longer constantly all day long, this stream of thoughts that is always happening, if we're not constantly identifying with, with each thought and with each feeling, then we just start to feel lighter. Mm -hmm. uh, and our mood starts to lift naturally. It's really our natural state to be light and flowy and and present and and curious and and uh just in the in the rapture of life as uh of our aliveness as joseph campbell would say and um and so that is our natural state and so as we start to disidentify this sense of celebration the miracle is 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 our natural state so yeah that's that's yeah. beautiful <laughs> yeah i love that and just you know letting go of those value judgments like you're talking about and seeing seeing the things that are coming up as just valuable information without without assigning a value judgment to it is such a liberating exercise um, and such a liberating practice it, it will release you from the shackles of the illusion of control <laughs> and and open you up to be able to step into flow and be in that that curious like playful celebratory childlike kind of energy that is our birthright each and every one of us yeah. Um, yeah 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 it's it's when we judge things it creates you know separateness when we're saying mm -hmm. i'm over here and that which i judge is over there it's like distance that we create between us and the object of our judgment and so if we, we're judging all day long, we're just creating all these little hits of judgment, 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 labeling, um, defining, even calling a tree a tree is, is taking into the kind of the mental judgment def definition space. And we're no longer connected to the experience of the tree, the presence of the tree. Mm -hmm. And when we're in the experience of something, that brings us in closer. And I think Brene Brown says how we, uh, if we are at odds with somebody, move in closer. And, and that's really when when we feel each other's humanity, then we can no longer think ill thoughts or or, or be angry or hate um, on someone. That it's, it's just uh, from afar that we the the judgmental mind really uh, wreaks havoc. So um, you just noticing and experiencing staying in the awareness of, of of our experience i sometimes call it experiencing experiencing i think that's in the book um <laughs> then then we're on the side of awareness and nothing can go wrong then yeah mm. and it's it's so it's funny tragic i don't know both <laughs> for me i feel like um when i look back and i can see uh, I think maybe maybe it's just the, the the comical nature of the adventure that is self-realization in life is how much of my life um, I, I expended so much energy running the hell away from experiencing experiencing um, in many, many different ways. And, um, you know, because it's scary. It can feel really scary in that headspace uh, because it's kind of like you said, you know, when you said earlier, the inner world is so much more vast than the outer world. To me, that brings up, you know, we we know more about outer space than we do about the oceans on our own planet. And there can be this fear of like the subterranean depths of, you know, what kind of weird monsters lurk in the deep water there? I don't know. That feels really scary. I'm going to run in the opposite direction. Um, and that has been, you know, my experience in healing as well. 
Um, and, you know, like I said at the start of the show, it's not my first rodeo. I've been doing this for a long time and that fear is still present. And I think that I want to normalize that for people. Um, but we just get better at start at stopping the run and saying, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to turn. I'm going to take a dive. Um, mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that you you stop running 100% for all always right? like that yeah. it's a very deep program that we have to fear the unknown um even if the unknown is within the inner depths of ourself mm. you know diving is a great analogy in that and uh, i only recently started scuba diving and they you know they first start you in the pool and and then you go into shallow water and then you go a few you know meters more and so forth and and I think when we take that analogy and and um, and look at life is like we don't have to go into extreme depths right away, right? If we start with little things, small things, small triggers, mm -hmm. um, small weights. When we same thing, when we go to the gym, we don't start to try bench pressing two hundred fifty pounds right away. It's, we start with small weights, and and we don't jump into the the heaviness of it right away. And so we develop our awareness muscle on these little things. Um, and and then allow that to guide us to the, the next depth, if you will. And, uh, and then as long, you know, always feeling like this is safe, of course, I'm, on, I'm teetering here a little on the edge of my, of who I know myself to be or who I'm letting go of, or, you know, all that, but always stay safe. There's no reason to, to, to go any faster or more extreme than, than what feels right and what feels good and what feels safe. So, um, and um and there's lots of little opportunities. It's, uh, you know, uh, again, when we're hyper present, there's the simplicity of the present moment is so simple and so easy. And so um, um, an example I mentioned is uh, my mom had triple bypass surgery. She lives in, in Germany and she was afraid of coming to see me out in California. It seemed like just big overwhelming trip mm -hmm. um, and uh, from the, the trauma that she'd experienced. And so we worked on, on breaking down this, this big scary thought down to well, when you're folding your clothes, right? Um, and you're feeling the texture of it and the, the, the colors and the memories associated with it, that feels easy, right? She goes, yes, that feels easy. So scale it down to what feels easy. And then the next step is you're putting your clothes in your suitcase and staying with that activity, ex experiencing you know, what you're doing, the task at hand. It's only when we get lost in, the, in kind of these big, scenarios that we we create the space for fear and anxiety to, mm. to set in and uh, but if we stay really with you know those are the small kind of actions that that set a positive momentum that's why they you know say you should make your bed in the morning and in the military as well it's 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 a it's a win it's a little positive win and it sets the the tone for the rest of the day and creates positive momentum so we can go deeper and deeper, come back to that, uh, by just taking it one one foot at a time, one one little activity at a time and um, and 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 stop when we we feel like it it's enough. and uh, there's a there's a limit to how much we can do at any one time, any one period. Sometimes there's long rest periods. And if yeah. it feels like you should be resting, rest. <laughs> the body's saying rest. So listen. Yeah, so yeah, so true. Yeah. The, the little yeah. steps, the day by day, the the knowledge that it's cyclical. So you know, it's not going to be the same experience of experiencing all the time. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of ebbs and flows that happen. Um, are you? I'm curious. Uh, were you in the military? Uh, we were civilians. So my my dad was a, a doctor for the U.S. Army and. Uh, we were stationed in Germany for five years. Uh, from the, from there, um, we traveled all over and um, uh, up and down the East Coast as well. And I went to college in in California to to get as far away as possible from, <laughs> from anyone who knew me. But uh, yeah, that was my that was my journey. And and uh, then you start seeing that it all was a reflection of who we are. It had to happen as such. And those were, you know, we were seeking without knowing it. We're always, always seeking the experiences that we're needing to have in order to grow and, and come out of our, our limiting beliefs. And ultimately, every belief is a self-limiting belief. 
and because we're we're taking the vastness of everything that's possible and and just shaving off a little sliver of it and saying well that's that's true you know my handful of beliefs that is reality Mm -hmm. and uh so it, there can be some scary, I, I hear this a lot. So as we let go of beliefs um, and, and become aware of truly how big we are, that, that could be, you know, scary as well. It's like, oh my goodness, there's so much more there to me and, and so forth. And, and again, just take it day by day, step, step at a time and you'll be fine. <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> more take- than fine. <laughs> yeah, you'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be you, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We, it's, we don't have not. to take in the the whole the vastness of of everything. I, I have a tendency to want to do that. That's um, as a as a sensitive as a Scorpio. We <laughs> talk about identity. Yeah. Um, I I have a tendency to be someone who likes to do the deep dives, and it's a really good reminder that you don't always have to dive deep, right? You can just, you know, wade around in the shallow end um, and, and let the, uh, or, or, you know, stand on the shore and, and let the water lap on your legs and just take in the view um, and allow yourself to enjoy the, the spot that you're in in that moment. Yes, it's awesome. Yeah. There's one more thing that often uh, is mentioned, you know, when, when we talk about being yourself. Um, I get this question a lot is, well, what if I don't like myself? Then, mm-hmm. you know, being more of myself, you know, why would I want to do that? And, uh, you know, to that, I just, I, I respond in that the, the parts that we don't like about ourselves are not ourselves. That's not you, the, the self-criticism, the self-hatred or the, the um, limiting beliefs that, that these are all layers of conditioning. And that's what the journey is all about is, is peeling off those layers. Um, and uh, so ultimately noticing that the, the, there's parts of you that you don't like is already a great first step because <laughs> there's a, 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 a blossoming awareness around that. And uh, so I, as always, just keep going and, and keep yeah. feeling and, and keep uh, investigating. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because we're never fully baked, right? It's, it really is all about who you are in this moment and peeling back the layers um, a while ago, I shared uh, an episode just about my own personal journey, and you know, ultimately, that was sort of my conclusion: is you know, it, it all had to happen that way uh, for me to be who I am today, to be here with you, and that really, you know, self-realization and healing—it is just peeling back the layers to becoming more you, to becoming more whole, and paradoxically you are simultaneously perfectly whole in this moment as well. Yes, yes. Oh yeah. my gosh. Oh. Ooh, it feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are such a bright light and just a joy to connect with. Uh, Chris, how can our listeners um, connect with you and what do you have going on in your world? How can they get more of, of this goodness? Yes, absolutely. Well, you can always find me at my website, sirak.com. That's C-I-R-A-K.com. And anywhere on social media at Chris Sirak. And uh, yeah, I have online uh, courses, audio and video courses, virtual retreats, in addition to my actual retreats. Um, and then, um, you know, do private mentoring and coaching and, and uh, speaking tours as well. And so you, you'll, if something there resonates, there's there's ample ways to find me. Yeah. And you have a beautiful website. Um, and I was noticing you, I think you um, you have run events, visit for Eckhart Tolle in the past as well, or? Yeah, I've been, um, you know, first I was a, a huge fan and, I, and he's been a huge influence on, on my teachings as well. But um, yeah, now I'm, uh, I facilitate retreats for him and and uh yeah pure presence uh, i love the guy and, and uh we're, we're, it's a lucky time there's so much available so yeah. um seek seek out you know whatever resonates at, at any particular time and uh um it's it's all up to you right it's all yeah up to us i love to... it <laughs> are you are you running any retreats in Asheville, North Carolina anytime soon? <laughs> uh, I love Asheville. I, I did a cross-country trip uh, some some time ago and I came to Asheville and it was it was amazing. 
uh, great energy there, University of Talent. But um, the, the next one is in uh, end of October in Bali, uh, yeah. where I'm based. And uh, so, but just check my website. There's if new um, events pop up, then then maybe one near Asheville. And, uh, <laughs> we'll put that on my calendar. Yeah. Yeah. There's a really cool, um, and I'm blanking now on the name, but um, there's a, a really famous Ayurvedic doctor who, for a long time had his headquarters in um, Santa Fe and he has a, a school that you know teaches folks how to be Ayurvedic practi practitioners but it also has a clinic um, where you can you know come be treated there and they have just moved to um, the Blue Ridge Mountains outside of Asheville and are creating this really beautiful like event and retreat space so um i'm putting that on your radar <laughs> yes oh my gosh that sounds fantastic lure me in <laughs> that would indeed, be great indeed. oh chris mm. thank you so so much for uh, taking time out to join us on the sensitive collective podcast and sharing your insight your wisdom your experience and your beautiful light and love and energy it's been um just an absolute pleasure to host you today Oh, thank you, Laura, and so much as well. I just even as I'm speaking, I can just feel the aura of your light and your presence. So, thank you so much for for holding space for today's conversation. Oh, it's been a joy. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to close out today's episode, um, and and just know, you know, I'm going to be linking everything we talked about um, in the show notes, so you'll have uh, access to Chris's website and all that juicy stuff, as well as his book. Um, in the show notes for today. And I will close as I always do, reminding uh, you, Chris, reminding myself and our dear listeners that you're doing the best you can where you're at with what you've got. And I love you. <laughs> <laughs>